0: Musically Hitch, we're gonna keep it real, okay. I'm gonna say I can never let the root go. I can never let the voice and the music go. Because that has allowed me to transition into various spaces as an actor, okay. as a voice actor. You know, commercials, that's been my wild card. That yeah. I've been able to, you know, you play space. You know, I've been able to pl- throw that, that card out. Yeah, right. You know, is there anything else anyone can do in the room? <clears throat> Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm in a space right now where I'm really trying to break the ground in the acting space, but I can never turn my back on what has allowed me to kind of make this thing happen, which has been being a creative vocalist, singer and all that good stuff.
1: Welcome to another episode of Musical.ly Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. We're back today talking about all things music with an industry vet, someone who is no stranger to the stage. You're going mm-hmm. to find out exactly what I mean about that in just a few, few minutes. We have none other than the amazing Ms. Tina Pierce. Hello. Tina, how are you?
0: I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Yeah,
1: it's been it's been great just knowing that you're going to be on the show. I've been yeah. excited. We've done some, some work mm-hmm. in the past, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to everyone getting to hear your story, those that may not know it, mm-hmm. and I think it's really going to be enlightening. Because you have a unique perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you do a lot of different things. Yeah, you're, you're a mom, yeah, a wife, mm-hmm.
0: an
1: actress, mm-hmm. singer, and so you you you're checking off all the boxes. Yeah, and you've been doing it for a while. So, mm-hmm. how did you get started in the first place? Where did where did music mm-hmm. becoming musically hit? Yeah. where did that start for you?
0: It started as a child, you know, at home with my extremely creative parents. My dad, singer, songwriter, extraordinary, the most amazing vocalist that I've I've ever heard. You know, I I feel like he never got his just due. So many singers like that. And then my mom as well. So I grew up in a creative home. I grew up around the arts, you know, in the studio with my dad doing sessions late, my sister and I. So I feel like I was born into this thing, to be honest with you.
1: So you're in Atlanta now, but where's, home. Yeah. So
0: I tell people I'm a California girl with sweet tea in my veins. Okay. (laughs) I'm originally from LA. Shout out to the West side. Okay. (laughs) But I feel like Atlanta, I'm not feel like I know Atlanta made me. So LA is, will always be home for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So really you
1: you came from a household where dad's a songwriter. Right. he, was the star? Did the start anywhere before him? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. My dad, you know, was like a lot of black artists in the late 70s, early 80s. They made the great migration to LA. Yeah. You know, you kind of either had to decide if you were gonna shoot for Broadway dreams or if you wanted to go try to get into this buzzing music scene in Los Angeles. Right. So my dad, originally from Akron, Ohio, moved to Los Angeles mm, pursuing the
1: LeBron. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah everybody LeBron. knows who, but right, but University they had some then, right?
0: they had some cold musicians <laughs> that came out of Akron. So my dad went out west with a bunch of musicians and my dad was the front runner, the lead singer with uh with several groups. They all kind of, you know, went to LA to try to make their dreams happen. And my mom moved from Cleveland when her mother, my grandmother, went to Los Angeles to pursue pursue her career as a model, so if you were like I said, Midwest, you know, just kind of knew you had something greater, desired more for your life, people, black people specifically, were like people now. People still run to L.A., you know, to make those dreams come true. So that's how my family got there, and then my mom and dad met in Los Angeles, got married, and had my sister and I.
1: Okay. So you mentioned something in your statement just mm-hmm. now about L.A. people moving there for dreams, but we're in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Some people consider this the, you know, the Hollywood of the South, sure. the LA of the East, right. whatever, right? Is it necessary for people that are on the East Coast mm-hmm. to go west?
0: I don't think so. For entertainment, I, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think Atlanta has become such an epicenter for arts, and and it's not even just because of the booming music and music, uh, not just because of the booming movie industry. Right it's music, it's digital content creation, it's tech, it's entrepreneurship. I think there are so many things that those people who are from Atlanta only dreamed of is now happening in this city. So I believe you can conquer Atlanta, you can you can kind of make it, you know. You can and you need to really win the city over. Once you win the city over in your industry, then I think that's when you launch out into the deep. That's that's my personal idea on all of that. So.
1: so how do you win a city mm-hmm.
0: over? I think you win the city over where whatever your specific industry is, you are in demand. You know, people know who you are. People know what you do. You are reputable and credit. You know, you're you have a something that's creditable that people can say that's legit. I give you for an example, vegan. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Slutty, be- slutty vegan, right? Slutty vegan blew up here. Yeah. You know, we were lined up and then she went to New York, and then she went to, you know, did the tours, and then you open your your storefronts and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I mean by, that's kind of the model of winning the city over in my mind. You know, I want to make sure I win here, I break ground here, people know what time it is, and then I go out and, and do the other things. And that can happen for creatives too. You know, I know actors who, once they've done the regional theater circuit here in Atlanta, it's like I got to go to New York. I've done this. I've won the city here. Right. I've worked all the theaters. I got my equity credits, mm-hmm. you know. And I, now I need to launch out into the deep, yeah. and I got to take on the next big dog, which is New York. Yeah. So that's my idea of winning the city over. Right. Shout out to
1: Pinky Cole. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that's that's true. So you really can't consider yourself. We're not trying to discourage anybody from moving. Sure. Do, do you? Right? right. Absolutely. But if you haven't maximized. Mm-hmm. The turf where you mm-hmm, are, mm-hmm. If, you, if the fertile ground where you are, doesn't yes. doesn't know you or doesn't. There's no seeds or no evidence, right. That you've been planted. Yeah, that that will show in absolutely, and, and that's through your character, right? Through your work ethic, yep. it's your, it's your punctuality, mm-hmm. it's your preparation. It's all of those things, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you're on a, a few different sides mm-hmm, of the entertainment yeah. uh, thing. So when we talk about music, mm-hmm. singing, I know you're a singer, mm-hmm. actress. Mm-hmm. If you have to choose.
0: Which one? Yeah, gotta ooh. go. I ooh wow. If you ask me that, it would depend on like what phase in life I'm in. Because
1: sometimes you end up doing it. We're gonna talk about your role in yeah, genius. Yeah, right, too, right, right. Sometimes you end up doing both. Yeah, doing I'm gonna one.
0: say I'm gonna say I can never let the root go. I can never let the voice and the music go mm-hmm. because that has allowed me to transition into various spaces as an actor as a voice actor, you know, commercials, that's been my wild card that yeah. I've been able to, you know, you play space, you know, I've been able to pl- throw that, that card out, yeah, you right. know, is there anything else anyone can do in the room? <clears throat> yes, right. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm in a space right now where I'm really trying to break the ground in the acting space, yeah. but I can never turn my back on what has allowed me to kind of make this thing happen, which has been being a creative, vocalist singer and all that good stuff so
1: let's talk about the acting so okay. genius aretha this, yeah this amazing work mm-hmm. that chronicles the life mm-hmm. of uh, a global music and social icon yeah how did you get that gig how did that come about right and what world what role did you play for those of yeah
0: yeah so i was blessed to play the role of claire ward the godmother mm-hmm. of gospel music i feel like She's someone that doesn't get her just due, she doesn't get her proper flowers. So I was so honored to be able to step in her shoes, you know, and tell her story. Uh, I got the role because I was auditioning, you know, my agent at the time we were pounding the pavement like I'm doing now and in, in, with another rep, but, We were submitting everything that was coming through. We were auditioning for. And I'm the type of person, I always keep my eye on what's happening in the industry. You know, I believe that, like, I ask God for what I want in my life, you know, and I am not big on necessarily the terms of manifestation. I know a lot of that tends to lean a little bit different from what I believe as a Christian woman. But I do believe in prayer. I do believe in being bold in what I'm asking of God and believing that if that is his will for my life, it's gonna happen, okay? So when I was watching the Deadline articles and watching these different things, we know Deadline is a big publication. You get a Deadline, that means Hollywood is paying attention. Hello, we got a Deadline. So when the Deadline came out about the film and Cynthia Revo and Courtney, I was like, wow, this is gonna be amazing. They're gonna shoot it in Atlanta. I said, Lord, I wanna be in that film, okay? Like I say about a lot of things that I know that I could Bring my skill set to, so I I got the audition, and I was kind of like, whoa! I got the audit I got an audition. I got invited. I wrote read the breakdown, and, and this is Clara Ward in her late twenties, thirties, you know, and this is during like the gospel circuit <laughs> with Courtney B. Vance, who was C. L. Franklin, Aretha's father, and I sent my tape in. Um, they said she might sing, and I'm like, no, wait a minute! Clara <laughs> Ward is the godmother of gospel, who trained Aretha. She might sing. But that's because a lot of times the actor doesn't have to sing. They'll bring somebody else in to do the vocals and you just kind of do a dub. And uh, my agent was like, after I sent my original tape, she called me the next day and said, hey, can you send something of you singing? They want to hear you sing. And I'm saying to myself, girl, yeah, I'm getting ready to send in something singing. So I actually sent in a vocal audition for a Tyler Perry project that I didn't get that I already had recorded because it needed such a quick turnaround. Uh-huh. And I sent that one in.
1: So we repackaged it.
0: Okay, okay. always. <laughs> so we repackaged that thing, we one closed it. door. Yeah, right, What yeah. that door might've been closed, but you know, here's something else to open up. So I sent it in and I'm like, okay. And then we didn't hear anything for like two months. Okay. You know, that was like kind of at the end of the year. In 19, we shot it. So I found it in January of 2020 that I booked the job and I was screaming and hollering and Amazing. so thankful because I was just ready for a breakthrough in that space. You know, I had done commercials and I had done some smaller things like TV One, but I was really ready for what that next thing would look like. And that's when I found out I booked it. And I guess you can ask me some more if you want to, but that's how it how it kind of came together, really was just submitting and being up for the challenge. You know, you got to put your name out there if you if you want to be in those new spaces, so.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Deadline, for those people that may not know mm-hmm. what Deadline is. Yeah. Is that that's a publication?
0: Yeah, Deadline is a publication, so anytime there are any major television shows, any big news that happens in Hollywood, you know, if anybody gets a first look deal, if something is, you know, someone's been added to a cast for something, that's that's kind of where actors look to see what's happening next. And that's what they want to, you know, aspire to have a deadline article. And I actually had a deadline. I was in a deadline article with T.I. and a couple other recurring actors okay. that were a part of Genius. So
1: so is that is this a public?
0: Yeah, public? yeah you can go on deadline. Yeah, you can okay, just so anybody can anybody access. can go on. Yeah. But it's kind of something in industry <laughs> where people. You know as far as actors if you get a deadline article it's like i'm making a major contribution to this project because the pr team there at the network saw that i'm worthy of being mentioned mm-hmm. in this article we actually I actually got two where we were mentioned right. um, where i was mentioned it with along with aretha yes. you know genius team wow wow
1: so yeah. that was in your first acting gig though so tell, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about some of the the ventures that you have and if you don't mind t- like i like to start at the bottom like i yeah. like for people to know like what was your first foray mm-hmm. into acting? Because the mm-hmm. genius Aretha sounds huge, right? Almost sure. Unattainable to some yeah. people. What was your first gig?
0: So my first professional, I guess, acting gig here in Atlanta was when I came out from behind the scenes as a creative in the entertainment industry and started doing musical theater. Okay, so we talked about if you got to choose between acting and the voice, yeah. that voice, right? And she can dance. Okay. So we started doing musical theater first. I'm in Atlanta. I'm not in New York. And I said, you know, I'm ready to start pursuing these other things, but my skills, my tools have to be sharp. That's another thing. People want to jump in and then we don't want to shed, right? Musicians know about shedding. Okay, let's use the language, right? So you don't want to shed. So I was like, well, you got to shed, girl. You got to get in here where you can be using all three skills, singing, dancing, and acting at the same time. So I went and auditioned for um, a show called Memphis, the Musical, which was Once upon a time on Broadway, they were doing it here locally and I had to beg to get seen. You know, no one knew me. They knew people knew stage radio. They didn't know Tina Fears is someone who's trying to act. And so I auditioned for it. I was able to get into the show. I was in the ensemble. That was my first real musical theater credit. And from that, you know, did a good job and was asked to invite for some other things and kind of picked up momentum doing a lot of musical theater. So I did, you know, I was in Dream Girls and I was in Simply Simone, which was a Nina Simone story here locally in Atlanta. I was able to get my equity card through that, which is very hard to get in Atlanta. It's hard to get your, at that time it was really hard to get your equity card. So I'm proud of that and just did a lot of theater. So it was What's really- What's an equity card? So that is Actors' Equity Association. So when you're equity, that means you can- you're required to be paid a certain amount. You know, we can't do the foolishness with, you know, uh, unsafe in work environments. It's the union, right? Like and musician's union,
1: so stuff absolutely, for actors, right? right? So,
0: Screen Actors Guild, SAG, is you know for TV and film. You're doing theater; it's Equity. So, in Atlanta, we are right to work state. So, there are a lot of people who feel a little bit limited you know, as far as taking their equity card, because some shows in Atlanta don't have equity contracts. So you kind of are separated out a little bit once you take your equity card. And I was, I was offered an equity card for one show and I decided not to take it. But by the time I got the opportunity the second time, I felt like I was prepared to take that card. That means I'm gonna be a little more selective about the type of jobs I do. I've paid my dues in town. People kind of know what she does, what she brings to the table. And I just kind of was kind of building this trajectory of what I wanted as a creative. So if you want to talk about the start of the acting, it was musical theater. And then after that, I said, okay, I need a rep. I need an agent. I need someone who sees that I'm talented, that believes in me, and that can start pitching me for other opportunities. So I was blessed to get an agent at that time and um, started submitting for commercials, started getting print campaigns and had a really lovely run with Ford. I uh, was a part of the Ford Born to Roll campaign and did some stuff with Walmart and so on and so forth. So if people ask me how I got started, it was really theater, which we know people like Denzel Washington and Felicia Rashad, those are those are theater people, you know, where you cut teeth there, the late Chadwick Bozeman, and then you take those skills out and, and project them on TV, and TV. I love Denzel's
1: story because I've mm-hmm. heard that numerous times, how mm-hmm. he really wasn't trying to get in mm-hmm. theater or trying mm-hmm. to get in the acting, but he was working like a summer camp or right, something. Right,
0: like right. And they asked him
1: just the camp staff yeah. to participate in the play. And yeah. It's like there might be something to this. Yeah.
0: It says something about trying, just trying new things. Yeah. You know, if you have a little interest in that you know, test it and see if there's something that maybe you have something that kind of sparks. If it
1: speaks to you. So so equity, just like buying a home and building Mm -hmm. equity, is that is that basically the premise for the name, the equity card? You now have some street credit.
0: Right. right. So when you go into auditions, I mean, mine is in my wallet. You know, you can they don't ask for it anymore because so much is digital. But, yeah, it's kind of a little street credit like so even when they have auditions in New York. The equity artists are seen as priority first. You know that there's a little, you, and you earn it. And you make
1: more money because yeah, of this absolutely. Well? So, okay.
0: so you'll know if like a contract, whatever the AEA, Actors Equity Association rate is for that project. Okay. I'm big on negotiation, but that talks about the business <laughs> side of Tina. So e- even when there's a rate set, yeah, even when there's a rate set, you know, based on what you're going to be asked to do, what's required, you know, you can always negotiate a little up, up a little bit. So.
1: So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. I want you to well it's a statement let's put it this way if you don't mind complete the statement Mm -hmm. tina fears fears
0: not making an impact with her artistry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. making an impact is the most important thing to me i don't want to be out here just doing things to do it i want it to be meaningful i want uh, the legacy I'm trying to create for myself, you know, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams, right? My dad, whose dreams were not fully realized, my mom, whose dreams were not fully realized. So I fear, you know, not being impactful, you know, and that's just something. That's because that's something that is very important to me in everything that I do. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. So not being impactful. So, do you believe that entertainers have a responsibility? Like Absolutely. you're born with a, it. It feels like a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody could have gotten the gift of music, mm-hmm. anybody could get mm-hmm. the gift of acting. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Denzel, we use him as an example. Mm-hmm. Just now, He didn't know mm-hmm. that he was going to be able to do, he didn't know he was a blockbuster, right? future, you know, Hall of Fame, whatever, mm-hmm. right? But something identifies itself. Mm-hmm. So what responsibility would you challenge our listeners with that mm-hmm. if they have identified? Maybe there's someone listening right now Mm -hmm. who's on the fence, right? Let's say you just haven't been using your gift Mm -hmm. and you realize now is that time Mm -hmm. I've been putting it off long enough. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person to come out from behind the the curtain, so to speak and step down the center stage?
0: Yeah, I think we have to, you know, life is so short, you know, it's, it's like a vape, but a vapor and time is the one thing you can't get back. Right. So you don't want to have regrets. And, and live a life where you're sitting back watching people on TV watching people on social media doing the things that you know you do without any effort there's so much effort that goes into pre- this presentation of you know image and art and all that kind of stuff if you know you naturally do that you know you get up and can sing down can run you know write why not? bring those things to the forefront little by little. It's a lot to say, okay, go get an agent, go do shows and, and so on and so forth because it's work to do this things. a lot of rejection, right. constant, constant rejection. But why not feed your own soul with uplifting and pushing those natural, natural talents and natural God-given gifts forward just so you can live a whole and full life, right. you know? And that's doing things at various levels. That's not necessarily saying everyone has to shoot big. There's some people who don't want that big limelight but they want to serve they want to you know I have a, a friend of mine who she's a guitarist and a songwriter even my sister said I do I need to go somewhere and just read some poetry she loves to write you know and there's something healing and in, in full about mm-hmm. being able to express yourself artistically so I would encourage people to you know this you never know what the next day is going to bring and you also don't know what stepping out is going to open up for you in your life. You don't know what door is going to open. What if I would have just stayed behind the scenes with stage ready and I want to be on TV. I want to do these things. And I never went to the audition for Memphis, right? We wouldn't be seeing the the fruit of all the other things that have come from that. So just do it y'all. Go yeah, for it. just go so forward. What's the
1: first step? Somebody says, I want to be an actress.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. What do you do in 2023 and beyond? Mm -hmm. in today's time everything is virtual AI all these conversations Mm -hmm. that we're having about you know the you don't have to be in one place like we talked about the LA versus New York versus Mm -hmm. Atlanta Mm -hmm. what would you do today to get started to get to where you are right yeah
0: yeah I would say I'm going to lean into something that the queen mother Debbie Allen would say we have to train we have to train And training is very different for different people. I think I got on the job training. I'm still training now, right? But we have to get out of the spaces of just like talking about what we wanna do. It's something you have to work at every single day. So I'm not gonna tell people go get headshots, go. You have to have, there has to be some proof that there's some quality and some value in what it is that you're bringing forward. So I would say starting with that training, like figuring out what those things are that you're passionate about and then how can you how can you polish that thing up? How can you refine it and make it better? Once you have a product that is better than it was before, then you can start going into, you know, getting some headshots so that you can be marketable. Um, I would say just owning the fact that if you're an actor, own the fact that you're an actor. If you're a songwriter, own the fact that you're a songwriter. You know, uh, I never say... Um, I am a small or new, I'm a growing business owner, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not an aspiring anything because I'm living it and I'm yeah. walking it right. every single day. Right. Sacrifices are being made. I'm not an aspiring actor or an aspiring what have you. So owning that thing, training you know, to make it better because it's competitive out here and not allowing your current circumstances to be the reason why you don't pursue those things, right? So I didn't go, I'm segueing now, I didn't go to Howard, I went to Clark Atlanta. When I was in high school, I got accepted into performing arts high school, right? I was fearful because of the things that I saw that didn't happen in my parents' lives. I was afraid that if I followed that path, that that would be the outcome for me. We gonna talk about, it. we already know how God works, right? Cause we see where we are now. So I was fearful. I didn't go to the performing arts high school. I stayed at the high school that I was at. If I would have gone to performing arts high school, I would have followed the Howard track. That would have been, you know, that's what makes sense to do. So who knows, maybe we would have broken into the industry sooner. But because I didn't allow my decision at that time or I never felt like it was too late, you know, I really didn't get into this until Really, I haven't even been in this space as a creative for full 10 years. Mike is 12, right? I was running, my son, yes, Mike is 12. So I've been running the business. I've been behind the scenes. So there hasn't really been a full like 10 year. We're talking about five to seven years that God said, we gonna move this thing along, okay? We're gonna move this thing along. So I'm saying all that to say, don't allow your current situation, failure, what worked, what didn't work, be why you don't train and prepare and, and pursue. You know?
1: Yeah. So tell us about Stage Ready mm-hmm. LLC. Yeah. I have been a client. Okay. And very satisfied client. Good, but Good. what was the vision for that? Mm-hmm. Well, everybody knows about being stage ready, but you—you right. you are Mrs. Stage Ready. So, if <laughs> anybody's confused, ready. we got right. the answer for you today. We got the answer. How to get stage ready? What, what was what was the vision behind Stage yeah. Ready? And, and what what do you do?
0: Yeah, so Stage Ready came about after me being at Clark Atlanta for a couple years, uh, having to transfer, running out of money. You know, I love my HBCU, but honey, I couldn't afford it. Okay, I had to find, I had to figure some things out. So, I was leaving Clark Atlanta, I was transferred to the Art Institute and I was working full-time job and just really trying to figure out how I can live. I, want, I wanted my dreams to come true. I knew, okay, this thing is not gonna work. Me paying this tuition at CAU is just not realistic for my family right now, but I know God's called me to greater. I know I can sing, I know I can dance. I know that I am uh, gifted in administration. So how can I package this and make this something that is lucrative and be what I told you I was fearful of, not and so that I could be impactful? Right, I said, gotta be impactful. And so the idea was to be a full service, almost like the Motown model. You know, old school Motown, right? They they taught those girls how to walk, they had choreography, they had stylists, they were recording songwriters, all this stuff. So when we originally started the business, the idea was to just be this one-stop shop where record labels or emerging artists or whatever, they could come to stage ready and get everything that they needed. And that's what we did, we built that. We had hairstylists, makeup artists, photographers, all of these things because at the time, there was a need for that. We're talking about Atlanta, you know, mid-2000s, like really starting to turn over, the record labels are here, you know, Missy's having auditions here, Sierra, all of that is happening here. And there wasn't one resource where, Uh, I'm trying to think of a, what's a gospel record label? Well, it used to be. Ty, Ty, what was it called? Ty Ty Scott Scott. Records, right? Okay, because one of my clients was, so Ty Scott can say, hey, Tina, this is what we need. I got this artist. They're getting ready to do this show. Mm -hmm. This is what we need. We need background singers. We need dancers. We need styling, da, 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 da. So those things worked for us. And I started out giving my services away, volunteering a lot until I built a resume that was credible. And then we start charging. And we built the business from there. Don't miss that. Okay. People don't want to hear that
1: these days. Yeah. You know, I mean, because every everybody on Instagram is getting paid now. Always ten thousand dollars. TikTok player, right, right,
0: right, right.
1: So, but there, there, you gotta you gotta like you said we gotta train. Oh yeah. We gotta work and sometimes people yeah. don't pay to train. Oh yeah. Right. I don't know any athlete that gets paid right. to train. Right. But I know we can name any Hall of Famer that mm-hmm. did train. Mm-hmm. So but do continue.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that that's how the business started. We wanted to be impactful. We wanted. We felt there was a need. We know with entrepreneurship, you always have to be solving a problem, right? If your business is not solving a problem, then you don't have anything that the market needs. Right. So for at my time, there wasn't a resource where you know and a lot of gospel artists lived here. You know, at the time, and um, I'll tell you, Dietrich Haddon was actually one of my very first clients. Okay. D was the first one to utilize the entire stage ready suite, yeah. okay? And by suite, I mean, those are the services we offer.
1: Okay, what's he doing? I because he's done movies before. So yeah, well, so okay. this,
0: was, this was still in the, um, after Sinner's Prayer, when he lived here in Atlanta. So we're talking about all of those. Uh, he's Able, the compilation that he did, he did a whole album down in Florida with a bunch of different gospel artists and they like, you know, dueted on those songs, but he was here in Atlanta and he was touring a lot. So we would travel with him. We would provide background singers, choreographers, whatever he needed. Um, he was one of the first to really take advantage of all of that. And so, shout
1: out to D. Yeah,
0: shout out to D. Always. Stage ready. Always. Yep.
1: Yeah. So today, what does it look like uh, in, in present day? What what's stage ready up to these days? Yeah. I know how you help me but Mm -hmm. i don't take that for granted but yeah what can people expect to get if they reach out to
0: you yeah we've evolved the pandemic pre-pandemic we had really kind of transitioned into servicing beauty brands and making that corporate dollar be honest okay musically hitch we're gonna keep it real okay so you know we did we we built the reputation we were very blessed with the artists but i found out that if i could tweak my services just a little bit and start offering these services in a project management capacity, I can now service beauty brands that are in Target. I can service Sally Beauty. I can service hair shows, fitness conventions. And so with that, that dollar is going where? Up. Because we know how artists are. If artists only has this much money in the budget, the label doesn't want to match that, then I'm, I'm crunching money, you know, crunching down on my amount. So I had to figure out how to evolve. There was a need for that. Entrepreneurship was thriving in Atlanta. And remember, I'm a very young, I'm a very young woman, okay? So I'm like in my 20, I'm in like my like late 20s. Like I'm a young bopper, like coming in, sitting at the table with like goats in their various fields. And so I had to be sharp. I had to make sure that I knew my stuff. And I think people took a liking to this young woman who is fearlessly walking into these rooms, uh, pitching her business. Yeah, you know, I'm pitching my business and, and could deliver. You know, I can I can say that now. I, I can say that that was something that, that worked for us. So now we're more able to uh, expand our menu, expand our offerings to now we're doing project management. Now we are helping to roll out campaigns. If someone has maybe a new beard product they wanna roll out, then I'm helping you put the entire campaign together. We're doing the, project management and the production com- uh, component of that so that that whole thing can kind of come to life. And that was something we found out was was much more lucrative for us. Yeah. And it still kept us, you know, with what Stage Ready does, we still service artists and background singers and all of that. But when it came down to lifestyle, when to talk about building legacy, I had to just adjust what I was offering just a little bit. All right. Well, that's, yeah. that's fair, I mean, we gotta, yeah. we gotta do what we gotta Yeah, do absolutely. Gotta with the That's right, where the bread is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So,
1: founder first DC, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: just talked about funding mm-hmm. opportunities, mm-hmm. Yeah. raising capital. These right. things that you're, that you're no stranger to. Yeah, tell me about the. Kitty Fund grant. Mm -hmm. You were a finalist
0: and you mm -hmm.
1: received the grant. Yeah, I did. tell
0: us about that process. So I uh, went through the Bank of America Institute for Women's Entrepreneurship at Cornell. I finished that program um, a couple of years ago. And so as an alum of that program, we get access to various grant opportunities. And I am someone who bootstrapped my business, using my little business terms. I bootstrapped the business, which means I did not crowdfund, which means I didn't have any private investors. I did not take out a bank loan. Everything that I made, I put back into the business. So I bootstrapped it, right? Boots on the ground. Yeah. So when you bootstrap the business, you often find yourself in, in need of funding to expand the business, to you know, do new projects, to not have to wait for somebody else to hire you to do something. And so Kitty's Fund was just an opportunity for me to tell my story of how I built the business, share with them the things I desire to do with Stage Ready. That's going to take us beyond even where we've been now. And they selected me. I was like out of maybe it was about 35 of us. And then we ended up getting getting a grant for that.
1: Your brilliance is not to be squandered and the rarity of your love must be sown on good ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that statement?
0: I think that statement was just a reminder to women how brilliant and powerful we are. uh, How what we have as individuals is so unique, and you know, specifically Black women, we have such tremendous influence. I'm talking to a brother, so you you know, you Mm -hmm. got a wife, so you know what I'm saying, yeah. And um, we we inspire everything from hair to fashion to food to 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 what's trending. You know, we are some of the biggest spenders in the world. You know, we help fuel the success of the health and wellness and beauty industry. And so, I think it's just a reminder sometimes we forget how much we bring to the table and how much it's worth. Just in the hustle and bustle of being a strong black woman, it's like pause, sis. You are brilliant, and what you invest your time and your energy into has to be fertile, good, healthy ground that can feed you, right? So that something can sprout up out of that that you can benefit from, right? I I, I was someone who struggled with perfectionism. Still working on that. Y'all can probably tell by how many times I'm like, okay, what's the light? What is it? You know, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But in that spirit of being a perfectionist, you would just empty yourself out. You know, I would produce these shows Thousands of people would be in attendance, and y'all I would be somewhere laid up in a hospital room afterwards because I was just working constantly around the clock, pushing for excellence, pushing for that person or that brand's product to be great, and I wasn't taking the time to pour into myself. I'm brilliant, and my love, which is my craft and what I put out into the world, it has to be sown on good ground. It has to go into a place where it's received, where it's valued, where it's appreciated, you know, you could take that as a personal relational thing, or that can just be how you carry yourself as you move through this world. So I think that's what that lady meant by that, <laughs> by that statement. Not anybody that you know. Not anybody <laughs> that I know. But, yeah, I think that I think that's where I was coming from in that place, yeah.
1: Well, you are obviously a, a powerhouse. So you, you're a mom, you're a, a wife. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a few things going on outside of just the businesses that you run. Sure. So how do you balance the role of wife? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that one first because you have two different roles, right? hmm that I want to bring up, but wife and entertainment professional? Mm-hmm. What has that been like over 15 years for
0: you? It has, yes, 15 years. Uh, it's, it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful journey. My husband is my best friend. He is my coach, in a sense. You know, when I want to just ball up and, oh, I didn't get the job. It's like, come on, babe, you got it. Come so on, Woo! So many no's, more no's than you can even handle I think creatives are a little crazy because we get so much rejection um but you have to love what you do enough to to keep pursuing that so my husband is someone who has really as I'm trying these various Business ventures and, and and taking these risks that you know a lot of times pay off tremendously and sometimes they don't. He is the anchor of our household. You know he is who allows me to go and twirl and take trips and do all these things. You know to bring them back to the house to so the storehouse. He maintains you know everything for us and it's a beautiful partnership. I'm so grateful for it. He reads for me during my auditions. You know he, I get on his nerves because he ain't an actor. You know <laughs> he like. Why does it matter if I say the line like that? I'm like, come on, we wanna send a good tape in. So it's been really beautiful to really build this thing together. Um, and for you know my husband and my now son um, to come to red carpet events with me and like see that it's been worth it. You know, we, we've been able to be in a season of seeing the the result of those things. So it's great. And it, it, it makes it, as hard as it is, it does make it easier when you have someone to lean on. Not just from a, You know, you live in a nice house, you have cars, and all those kinds of things. But just to feel like you're doing it with someone, and when you do have a win, you can you have someone to cherish it and celebrate it with. So, do you ever have
1: any struggles or regrets with uh, the time that you have to spend away from home in order to succeed in your business? Yes,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm in a place now where I'm intentional. You know, I'm intentional about what I say yes to. I'm intentional about the projects and the type of projects. You know, there's certain scenes. That you just won't be seeing Tina Fears doing, you know, even if even if the network is offering that, you know, my management team and agents know, you know, we're not gonna submit that to her because I represent okay. my family. I have a son that's in middle school, you know, and his little friends be on my page and all kind of things. So do I have regrets? I wouldn't say regrets, but I am just intentional about what I do. And um, it wasn't always like that, you know, that when I was traveling on the road a lot, I did that before we had Micah, and then I took time to say, I need to get my son at least up to those first four years, I was at home. And I watched a lot of my friends travel and do things and one of my girlfriends, girl, just go to New York. You ready, you ready? And I'm like, that that doesn't fit what we're building here. So it's a balance in that. Thank you for asking that. No, that's yeah. it's, it's,
1: it's important and I think mm-hmm. it's so easy to get caught up in the grind. The right.
0: grind, the grind sure. talk about, need the grind. But.
1: You've got to grind. I heard Eric Thomas say this one time. He said, "I grind at everything. I grind at being a a husband. I grind at being a father. I'm Mm -hmm. not just grinding. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking about it, it's everything that I do. It's not just the stage, right? Right? Right. Miss stage really. Yeah, right. But you got to you got to do both. You got to take care of home. Right. And and it sounds like Mm -hmm. Mister. Yeah, he was taking care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what about your son? Um, Uh huh. What's it like being? You know, he's a twelve year old, Mm -hmm. right? So oh my
0: gosh, I have a twelve-year-old friend. That's, that's
1: different than having, you know, uh, a toddler, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he's he's matured. Mm-hmm. But what is it like now? Because he's got his own life at this point sure. uh, too, mm-hmm. friends, social life. Mm-hmm. How do you stay connected to a team as right. well as being in the business?
0: Yeah, it's making choices and not again not saying yes to everything. Uh, one thing that Martin and I decided we wanted to do as we're parenting Micah, he is our greatest investment. So as I move and shake, I never want his life to be disrupted while I'm out here trying to move and shake and be and da da da. So I have a beautiful village of uh, my mother, my stepdad, my sister, my, you know, sister in laws and in We have a village so that like when I was shooting Genius, my tribe made sure that was really demanding. So my tribe made sure Micah was good and he was a little bit younger then. So he was still in elementary school. So it was, you know, making sure that he got picked up from school and I'm very hands-on in my parenting style. So making sure that his snack and his dinner and you know, his homework time, he's a stellar um, academic performer. So just making sure that me not being there because I'm shooting doesn't mean that the bottom falls out of the house, you know? And that's, I credit that to, of course, my husband, but then I also have a village around us that makes sure that, you know, okay, we got this pickup time, we'll be there until dad gets home from work and, you know, so on and so forth. And and Micah has actually read for me during auditions. There was a cartoon that I booked and he read for me and I believe his little voice being in the mix helped me get the part. He also read for me when I auditioned for Genius. He read as little Aretha. There's buy-in, you know, from my entire family. And I'm so thankful because everybody doesn't have that. They don't have people who are helping push this machine forward. And um, my goal is just again, to be impactful so that I can open up doors for everyone in my family to be able to be okay through the things that God is doing in my life.
1: Different question about parenting, but being Mm -hmm. the parent of of an entertainer. Mm -hmm. If someone's watching or listening that wants their Mm -hmm. kid or thinks their kid has acting, Talent. Yeah. What would you recommend or what do you recommend to parents about getting their kids into this industry?
0: Yeah, uh, industry is, is very, um, demanding, whether you are a child, whether you're an adult, especially as a kid and kids grow and change their interest levels change. So I would, I talked about training, get them in some acting classes, send them to a workshop. Then I would get some pictures right to start, to start, because you don't want to go to an agent just because you think your kid is cute just because your child shows a lot of personality, they have to have the work ethic to go along with that. And then as a parent, you have to be able to be committed to if they call you, you send a shoot, you know, send something in today, they call you tomorrow and you're on set for nine hours. Are you able to handle all of that? You know, so I think getting them into training, you know, there are a lot of workshops, Y-E-A, there are A-G-I, there are a lot of resources specifically in Atlanta for young performers, which allows you, you make a little investment with classes, you do pay for those, but you're gonna be able to gauge what your child is really interested in and if they got the goods. You don't wanna waste money just on cuteness because cuteness and then annoyed and don't want to listen, that can be a challenge in a professional space. So. How much should
1: I prepare to invest? Like if I want, you know, we're talking about numbers because mm-hmm. these classes are free, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one concern I think some people have is, how, yeah. if I start it, can I finish it? So right. what, what do you think parents need to realistically expect to invest in their child's? Training.
0: Yeah, I think it really depends. I mean, you're talking about, you know, let's say you have a triple threat, someone who can sing, dance, and has interest in acting. You may be paying, you know, $25 to $35 per dance class. You could pay $75 to 175 for a dance class. You can do that same thing when it comes to acting and vocal training and what have you. I am a big fan of on-the-job experiences, right? So if there's community theater going on and they, they're they doing the whiz and they need someone to go and be Dorothy and, you know, your baby can sing because you sing at church, let her go and audition for the whiz, right? And so, So she's getting the experience of being in a show, learning lines, working, you know, with her castmates and you're not paying anything for it, right? So I think we have to kind of look for different creative ways that we can gauge if they're interested and then make sure we're supporting if they are and preparing them for that next phase. Yeah.
1: How do I get an agent? Okay.
0: So getting an agent can be a challenge. Um, Just like, you know, anything, you kind of have to do the work. So sometimes agents have open calls for submissions. A lot of times agencies need you to be referred by someone, meaning someone has to already be signed. And they say, hey, I think this person might be a good fit for our roster. Would you take a look at them? So Atlanta, once upon a time we didn't have, you know, but maybe a handful of agents, but now there are a lot of boutique agencies that are popping up and creating opportunities for people to be seen. So it's submission, it's pounding the pavement, you know? See me, re- refuse to be denied, pressing through until you get an agent. And then having an agent is not, that doesn't mean, okay, now you're gonna arrive and book. Then you gotta go through the process of submitting and getting better and understanding how to self-tape. We don't go in the room anymore, we self-tape. Mm-hmm. So you gotta master what it means to tape an audition on camera. And then you're moving, you know what I'm saying? So you have to, There's there's a process to all of it.
1: So with people self-taping, do you have any tips or points for what they should and Ooh. should not do?
0: Yeah, you have to do it a lot. You know, every audition is very different. Lighting is important. Your audio setup is important. Right before the pandemic, Atlanta was kind of transitioning into requiring self-tapes. There were still some some agencies were still calling you in for a callback. But once we hit that pandemic, everybody went to straight up self-tapes. And so we used to have to go to self-tape studios and pay per audition, per line. You know, that's money going out. But I encourage people, once you've gotten to the place where you're starting to be seen, I just say invest in your own setup. That's what I have. I have, you know, beautiful gray walls and lights and stuff at home. That way when you have an abundance, you can kind of knock it out versus making an appointment to go and tape with someone. And there is a space for that. When you want to be coached, you got a big role coming up, you may want to coach with, you know, have a coach audition you, but I think you invest in your own thing. And that's, you can use your camera phone. You don't even need the big, I had, what was the camera that was kinda, what were they called, the Nikons? I had a Nikon and then I was like, okay, iPhone is doing it though. And the casting directors would tell you now, you just use that iPhone and you can tape like that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, and I didn't because I didn't speak from all personal mm-hmm. experience. I didn't know at first when I got iPhone. I think I got iPhone twelve. Yeah, that you can film in four K. Right, K sixty, and that, that game. it changed the game. game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because this is like really having a digital camera.
0: People shoot whole short films. Yeah, they shoot short films and enter them in festivals mm-hmm. with an iPhone. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about the money. Okay, right. Everybody knows that you know this journey is hard. Right. If you if you're doing it, you're gonna have some ups and downs. We talked about rejection a lot. Mm -hmm. When you get rejected, you know when musicians don't perform, they typically don't get paid. Right. Actors. Mm -hmm. You can tell us more about syndication, but I'm assuming that if an actor doesn't get a gig, unless they have some recurring role, sure, some syndication checks coming in, they're not getting paid. Right. So let's talk about the money. How much can someone expect to get paid? on their first gig? What should they look for? If Should they yeah. be asking for anything? Or do they just have to take what they get?
0: Yeah, it, it really depends. It depends on what that first gig is. You know, if you get a project, let's say you're shooting a, a commercial and then they do a buyout for you or you don't have any residuals that come in. You know, when, you, when I did the Ford campaigns, we got paid off of that for a while because as long as they kept picking it up like six months, 12 months, they kept picking it up, you're kind of on a cycle of getting paid, right? You get your residuals from it. But sometimes if you book something, you may book the job and this is your flat rate, and that's it. Yeah. For two, you know, they they you, they pay the usage fee for two years, and then that's just it. So to your point, if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. That's in any any industry. Um so just, But you still gotta invest in training. You still gotta invest so in how do you training. Do that if you don't you're not making any money. You have to be a multi-hyphenate, which is why that's why I am the show and the business because if i'm not working on ca- on stage on camera i'm working stage ready right and so i encourage people to find those other things that you do well this is a grind this is a hustle you got to you got to you got to figure out everything that's in your toolbox sit it on the table okay i can't do that i know actors who if they're not acting they're photographers if they're not acting they're coaching if they're not acting they're doing choreography We know singers, okay, if I'm not on the road, then I'm doing sessions, I'm doing demo sessions. So it's figuring out what those other things are so that you can ultimately fund the dream. When you need to look good for an audition, you can look good because you made your money singing backgrounds or you made your money coaching so on and so forth. So can I tell you what to expect? It depends on what level of work you're doing, what the contract says, Um, but I believe in phases. You know, there are times when I did the TV one stuff, it was just a flat, it was a flat rate, you know, That's why it's so challenging. Do you remember when we saw the gentleman that used to be Elvin on the Cosby show and he was working in Trader Joe's and people were so shook. They didn't understand it. They, you know, we don't understand when people like Tony Braxton filed bankruptcy and how do they, because you're only great as your last hit record, (laughs) you know, that's an old school saying, you know? And so that's why I appreciate our generation because people are not just putting all their eggs into the, see me and make me famous basket. It's like, nah, while y'all trying to decide, I already know I'm dope. So I'm gonna do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other things. Mm -hmm. Then when you interview me, it's like, oh, you do that too? Yeah. Cause I can't wait on you. I can't wait on you to eat and make sure my family is good. So yeah, you can go anywhere from. Absolutely. I I think I saw something where Isaac Carey was talking about how he built a house when he was touring with some, some country artists. I saw that on TikTok, right? You on the road just doing background vocals, right? But you in a situation where it made enough sense where you were able to store up for your family and, and be able to set a situation up. So every contract is different. Um, I hope that's insightful. There that was for a bar too, by the way. Um, somebody missed that, but a
1: you gospel say? artist was, was doing country.
0: Oh yeah, right, right. Towns. Come on. Yeah. And build a house. Continue. Yeah, yeah so, so I think it's all about how we play our cards and what do we do in the meantime. Always, never being a starving artist, you know? Right. And that's, that's the reality, that's what, that's me being my parents' legacy, but doing it different, right? right? Like, I'm not waiting on the Jacksons to call me for the next thing, cause I got rent to pay have a mortgage, you know? And so that's just, now you're getting the other side, the, the raw, take the wig, you know, you're getting the real deal because that's what those are the things that our people are missing. You know, we're shooting after these dreams, but you gotta be more than just a dreamer and being talented is not enough. You have to have a strategic plan. You have to be intentional about every move you make. You have to be intentional about who you connect yourself to, the things that you ask God to do in your life. And then are you doing the things so that when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready. And I really believe when genius came around, I, I believe God said, You're ready for this. When I did Memphis, I wasn't ready for that. I had to shed. Come on, musicians. Yeah. Right. I had right. to shed. I had to shed and, and be prepared. And I believe there's another level. There's a shedding that took place from that phase to the next phase, you know, as we grow and elevate.
1: So, what does a typical week look like for Tina Fee? like, let's say, particularly when you, I don't know if, Let's just say you're not actually working on a project, but right. you're auditioning. Mm-hmm. So what, let's talk Monday through Friday
0: or Woo. Sunday to Sunday. Yes, it's Sunday to Sunday. So Sunday is my reset day. Okay. That's you know with my family and we're kind of preparing for what the week looks like. If I got something from my agent on Friday, then I know Monday, Tuesday, I'm preparing to to shoot this audition footage stage ready also has its own schedule so i have a big whiteboard in my office um we help cast something for a beauty brand and then we also shared out some things which is something we do a lot which we did with you guys right we know people have things going on we share those things out so it is preparing whatever the artistry is asking for you know doing my work doing my character development deciding who this character is what their perspective is uh, if she has to sing, making sure that we're exercising the vocal and and prepared to do that, but it's also meeting those deadlines and making sure I can deliver for my clients. And I also pitch a lot. I pitch a lot. I don't I don't wait for the opportunity to come to me. Nice. I'm casting that net. Hey, do you know who Stage Right? This is what we do. You know, <laughs> and and it might be just throwing spaghetti on the wall and it might fall down, but sometimes it sticks, and sometimes it ends up being a really fruitful, abundant blessing to my family and to the people who work alongside me i don't believe anybody works for me they work alongside me so it's a juggling thing on top of planning birthday parties and you know going to see what my mama doing and you know all of those things so it's balancing all of that it's constantly moving the cards around the deck
1: so how do you teach uh others Mm -hmm. outside of your household Mm -hmm. and even those that are in immediate family uh, How do you teach them, distant family, to respect your schedule? Because a lot of times we are seen as if you're not working a Mm -hmm. Mm nine-to-five, it looks like you have all the free time in the world because you make your own schedule. Right. Well, you do make your own schedule. You Mm -hmm. just told us your schedule. Mm -hmm. So how do you get other people to respect the fact Mm -hmm. that you've already made a schedule that they may or may not know about?
0: Right. That's a powerful question because I just learned that like two years ago. The pandemic was my great reset. Remember I told you how Tina was balled up and, you know, all of that. So the pandemic is what really allowed me to see this is who you actually are when you're not stressed out, when you're not, you know, tired all the time, not overworked. And so my personal time and my level of receiving whatever somebody is giving has changed tremendously. It's a lot of unavailables. It's a lot of, you know, do not disturbs. Now. So,
1: I your acuity scheduling? I'm only going to see a couple bikes. Uh, it's, it's 168 hours. I mean, I you, you
0: know, to... so, but it's really, right. It's only, um, for me, it's really just prioritizing when I'm tired. I'm tired. I love y'all. I'll, I, I, you know, like, it was seriously, like, full transparency. This was a major life changing, life defining moment for me, prioritizing myself and my time. For my and letting my family know I'm not available for that, friends, what have you, and so it's really just about creating healthy boundaries, you know, and, and listening to myself a lot more. Like knowing I'm not my best self when I'm tired, irritable, stressed. Da, da 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 I can't give my best to the world, to my family. So walls are about keeping
1: others out and keeping you mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. That's easy to miss too, yeah. because sometimes for us we need the boundaries for ourselves yeah. to keep us focused long enough on these creative ventures right. these projects. Because nothing—I mean, I'm not saying you can't—but mm-hmm. most great things are often created solitude. Yeah, you need that time, that training yeah. time, that mm-hmm. that pruning. The 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 vision has got to mm-hmm. come from somewhere. Yeah, and you can't get it with all the noise. That's good. So keeping others out, yeah, is a way of protecting your own creativity yeah. so that you can. Right. I guess bring them back in, right?
0: Right, because we're in the social media age, right? So we see, we're constantly feeding ourselves right. everything. Everybody else's thoughts. Everybody else's thoughts, even creativity. It's like, oh, that's dope, oh, that's da 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 2022, at the end of the year, I kind of like just like had to sit down for a minute. I was like, it's information overload. I got to tap back in because I wasn't inspired. I felt myself lacking inspiration, which is kind of rare. And that's when I was like, ah, oh, girl, you need to step back. And in that break, scripts have come you know, new ideas for collaboration have come. So I like that about the walls. Got to kind of protect, you know, self.
1: Yeah, we mentioned Tyler Perry earlier, but Mm -hmm. he's always been famous for saying that he he literally leaves Atlanta and Uh goes somewhere, a private island, whatever is accessible to him. But you don't have to have a a private island in the the Caribbean, right? To do that. I think the objective is just getting away from the norm, even your creative Mm -hmm. surroundings, your day-to-day work grind as a creative and still making time for you to get new messages. Yeah,
0: making time and just refreshing, you know, coming up with the newness. You need that. So I think that's dope.
1: What does it mean to live fearless? The Fearless Movement is is a company that you founded. Yeah. What does that even mean? I know it sounds cliche. Right. No fear, no fear. Right, right. But what does that mean?
0: Yeah, fearless for me, it really means identifying the fear and figuring out how you're gonna navigate through it, right? Because I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I am without fear. So you Asking. believe you
1: believe that fear is definitely real. Oh, fear real is real. That
0: that oh, absolutely. But but to live life fearlessly means like okay, the fear is there, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to conquer that thing. I'm not gonna let the fear win. So you know, like you said, no fear. Everybody got some kind of fear. Fearless brand. Da 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 da. But for me, it's really my testimony. You know, it's really me being fearless in the pursuit of what sets my soul on fire. You know, every time a door was closed, some kind of way I found a way to pull myself up by the bootstraps. Sometimes it was a quick move, sometimes it took time, but it was to keep the momentum going forward. And so that's what living fearless is for me. It's not that fear doesn't exist. Let me identify specifically what that is and then get us a plan together to get us on the other side of it. That's what it is.
1: What do you do when you're not being creative? Is there ever a time where you're not? Like, what do you do for fun? Are you on wine? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I love to cook. If you go on my social media, you're gonna see, especially on my reels, you're gonna see lots of recipes. Top dish
1: that you love to make?
0: There's a Tuscan chicken that I do that is so lovely with a little minced garlic, some uh, sun-dried tomatoes, portobello mushrooms. Okay, a little heavy cream. I deglaze the pan with some white wine sauce. Mm -hmm. And then you come up with this really nice sauce and then you add some spinach into that and you serve it either over a mashed potato or a little pasta. It's a really nice dish. So that's how you know I cook for real, baby, okay? Um, did you, did you pick this up with this,
1: uh, mom passed it down, you pick it up on your own? Yeah,
0: everybody in my family can cook. Like my mom, my grandmother, my uncles, like everybody on that side can cook and we really enjoy cooking. But I think I got them all beat. I got them all beat now. Yeah, but it is an art. It is an art. I enjoy, and I like to make food content. You know, I'm, I'm definitely, there's definitely gonna be like a cookbook or maybe a, a cooking series or something in the works, you know, take going from just the idea phase to making it something that's tangible and real, so.
1: So how often do you actually cook based on how busy you are? What about being a regular week? What does that look like?
0: Three days a week, you gonna get something. Really? On the table. Yeah, three days a week. And, in, and you know, a little breakfast and snacks and sneak snacks and stuff. But I'm really, I'm back in hero training. So that means I have to cook. Is like, this
1: breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Or
0: one uh, At least two. Okay. So the guys three times have, a week. Yeah. The guys have such a busy schedule. So they're going to get dinner. But I'm also, like, cooking snacks and stuff for myself. So, like, Tabitha Brown's things, I'll make a cute little lunch or something with some of her foods, or some of her vegan items. But you know, when you're in hero training, you can't do the fast food and the Uber Eats because my Uber Eats bill was crazy. Yeah, It gets crazy. And I was like, okay, we got to stop. You got to get back on the pots and pans. So yeah, wow. that's what it looks like.
1: So living fearless means living without, not without fear, mm-hmm. but without being. Paralyzed. Right. right. You move forward. Yeah. Right? you got
0: to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, in all circumstances, all situations. And with the fearless movement, you know, that's how we're giving back to people who were like me. You know, those girls who are late teens, 20s, life might be a little crazy, finances might be a little funny, but you're still dreaming. You know, so we've done some give back, some beauty in the bag, some service projects under the fearless movement where... You know, we're creating opportunities for people who were like myself and my sister, who just needed someone to pour into them and tell them that they can do it. You know, it's important that we serve our own people. That's another thing for me too. Yeah. You know, we need our, our youth need to see people who look like them serving them. Right. We do so with a from a place of care, with a gentle hand, compassion. Yeah. Those things those things are important. It's, it's easy for anybody to fly down and, and get a photo moment. But it's different when you've been there. You just serve differently. So that's important for me, too.
1: What's your legacy? What do you want people to remember 100 years from now? Whoa. What should people say, Well, hopefully? Yeah. What do you hope they will say about Tina Fears?
0: Hmm. Um, I hope that people will say that Tina Fears is someone who utilized everything that she knew how to do to be impactful in the lives of others, whether it be through my art, as an actor, singer, dancer, whether it be through my business ventures, investing in those people who work alongside me, pushing them to pursue their dreams. You know, um, that I was a good mother, a good wife, a good sister, a good daughter. But but legacy, legacy is taking a business that was an idea after college didn't work out and being able to see what it was able to do and the doors that opened from that. You know, $100 in a dream. That's all I had was a hundred bucks. Go get your LLC girl, at least you are gonna be legit, you know? So to be able to see what that did and the things that I know are gonna come even, you know, 10, 15 years from now, that's what I want the legacy to be. She used everything she had. She did everything. She was a Jane of all trades, okay?
1: <laughs> Jane of all trades. And she did
0: some good stuff with it. And we can go back and play it on Netflix or whatever they watching now. Where
1: can people find you online, the social media yeah. if they wanna follow and keep in touch?
0: at Tina Fears on all platforms. So TinaFears.com, Tina Fears on so yeah, hey y'all. So you can find me on all platforms at Tina Fears, Tina Fears on Instagram, Facebook, the World Wide Web, Google, <laughs> it's all Tina Fears.
1: To close out, same camera, mm-hmm. what would you say to those that may be dealing with fear right now mm-hmm. in some way around it, whether it's their art, mm-hmm. their creativity, Maybe it's their parenthood. Yeah. All the things that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. What closing message would you give our, our listeners and viewers today?
0: Uh, I would close out by saying you are greater than your current situation. You are not limited by your circumstances. As long as you keep living, you are getting closer to the other side of whatever you're in right now. And for those of us who have been called to greater, that thing that wakes you up every morning, that thing that won't let you go to bed at night, that idea that every time you see something close to it on TV, it's like, man, it's in my phone. It's in the notes. If you continue to push forward, if you continue to dream out loud, sometimes you just have to say it. Sometimes you just have to say, I am an actor. I am going to act. I'm going to write a song. I'm going to sing backgrounds. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. That's the start of it, because we're sometimes using your words, paralyzed by fear that if I actually say it, then, oh, man, I got to live up to. But sometimes, yeah, you got to you just got to get it out. So you're not limited by your situation. Greater is coming in your life. And we know if we can just keep living, keep moving forward, keep desiring more, those things will properly align. Be ready, because once you ask for it, the Lord is going to start sending you the right people. It's going to start lining up. But will you be ready when your opportunity presents itself? I believe you can. I believe you can do it.
1: That's big. That's huge. Well, great. Well, again, this has been another fantastic episode of Musical.ly Hitch. We've been with none other than the illustrious Miss Tina Fears. She's gave us the game on being stage ready, how to get an agent how to raise your kids to be in the entertainment business, <laughs> how to cook three meals a day, two, three days a week, while being on a Broadway. <laughs> we got it all, so it's going to be a lot of nuggets in here. So we hope you all enjoyed this content today. Again, don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, etc., and subscribe on YouTube if you follow there. Take care. We'll see you next time.